Welcome to Today on Broadway for Tuesday, May 26, 2020. I'm Broadway World's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Obviously, we did not have a Today on Broadway proper on Monday because it was Memorial Day. So our thoughts go out to all of those who have family members who gave the ultimate sacrifice for the United States. Uh, I hope that everybody had a relaxing day. Ashley, we were talking about, yes, Monday was a holiday. Yes. But in lockdown, isn't everything its own sort of holiday? Both its own holiday and also just constant job. Yeah, nothing. Every day is just like the one before it, unfortunately. But we are glad. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But we are glad for those of you that are listening that you are able to listen and hopefully your families uh, are continuing to stay healthy and safe. Over the weekend, we had a ton of stuff in the Broadway radio feed for the holiday weekend. We started out on Saturday. James spoke with the great Hunter Bell, who is one of the creators of Title of Show. And despite what, <laughs> despite what Amazon reviews of Jen Tepper books and uh, emails into Broadway World's news, deck, news desk seem to think, Title of Show is the actual title of the show, if you are unfamiliar <laughs> with it. Yes. People always complain that it was left out for some reason, but no, Title of Show is, if you don't know it, it is the most meta thing. It actually, the I description of, of it. Show. Yeah, the description of it is not dissimilar from a strange loop you know we talked about a strange loop was uh, about a black queer artist writing a musical about a black queer artist writing a musical and so on and so forth title of show is the same thing it was a group of these four people writing a musical about themselves writing a musical it's brilliant so anyway um they are doing um a, uh, a, a virtual variety show to benefit the Vineyard Theater and James and Hunter talked about that. That is coming up on this coming Saturday, May 30th. So listen to that. Get all of the details on how you can make a donation and be a part of it. Then on Sunday, we had This Week on Broadway with James, Peter, and Michael. They talked about their favorite plays on film as well as talking about shows, songs, and characters that featured the name either Joe or Joseph. I don't know if that was a G.I. Joe kind of reference. I'm not sure where that came from. I haven't listened yet, Uh, but that's always interesting. And then on Monday in the Today on Broadway space in our calendar, I spoke with my good friend Ellen Marie Marsh. She is launching a new podcast with... uh, Uh, Another good friend, Patrick Hines, he is also my boss over at the Obsessed Network. They are launching a new podcast called Obsessed with Disappeared, which goes episode by episode through the investigation discovery show about missing persons called Disappeared. It is a spinoff of True Crime Obsessed, which is the show that I work on. Uh, But in addition to that, Ellen and I talked about her TikTok videos with her daughter, the new um, web series gallery view that she is co-writing and directing. Um, talked about a bunch of other stuff as well as the bedwetter at the Atlantic Theater that she was getting ready to star in Off-Broadway. And she tells me when they are now currently slated to resume rehearsals for that show. So listen to that interview from Monday and uh, you'll get a ton of information there. All right, Ashley, let's get into the news. And we're going to start with a pair of kind of downer but realistic articles coming from prestige publications over the weekend. Yeah. Yeah. First, our friend Casey Mink writing not for Backstage but for Vanity Fair. In her article, she talks to a frustrated Broadway producer. And the article is entitled... (laughs) Redundant. (laughs) Yeah, earmuffs for uh, all the kids listening. Uh, When asked when Broadway will return, the quote in the headline is, 
not until there's a fucking vaccine. So that, you know, yeah, the article goes into what realistically Broadway should be looking at, as well as a lot of other factors that honestly we have discussed in depth over the past two and a half months, including how shows will try to gauge when tourists will return for their specific show and then opening in response. Uh, they talk about the damaging delay that the Tony Awards and the Wing and the League have created by not announcing what they're going to do with the awards, leaving this season kind of in limbo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they talk about how potentially this shutdown could be an opportunity for the industry to dramatically structurally change for the better moving forward. Uh, it's a great article and something that anybody who cares about the business of Broadway or just when Broadway is going to return should read. But Casey ends the article with the following paragraph, quote, As to when we might get to experience Broadway's new normal, that same producer thinks you shouldn't hold your breath. Quote, If you think you're going to see The Music Man in 2020, you're out of your goddamn mind. <laughs> now, Ashley, I probably wouldn't have said it so bluntly, but I <laughs> think it is. I think it is good that people are starting to say these things out loud, even if they are just on background, because as we've talked about before, and Casey mentions as well, not giving the public realistic updates about the state of the lockdown could have far reaching negative ramifications. Right. Yeah. As you've talked about kind of the boy that cries wolf kind of thing as well. I think it's good that they're putting it so bluntly. And as you mentioned, like the kind of fumbling that happened around the Tony awards or lack thereof, I would rather have, I mean, obviously there are different factors to it, but I would rather have people come outright and say, no, this is not going to happen. And you're out of your mind. If you think it's going to happen and we need to work towards opening it eventually, but not until all of these structural things are in place that we need for that to happen. Yeah. And I think the other thing about it is, is that it's not just about saying we're not doing it by this state. We are doing it by this state. I think it's also about just saying, here is what we know right now. This could change. I don't think they're doing a very good sure. job of that. And it's I think ever they're just changing saying, as we see all the time, just right. in normal news. Yeah. Right. And that brings me to this next article. The second article that I want to mention is from the New York Times. It is written by four white dudes, Michael Paulson, Joshua Barron, Ben Cesaro, and Zachary Wolf. It gets into how different arts communities from dance to concerts to theater are planning to deal with a shutdown that will almost certainly wipe out the entire fall season. They have great detail about all of those things. But from the Broadway and theater theater perspective, the authors note that industry insiders believe that January is the absolute earliest that they could reopen, although, quote, a handful of producers are holding out hope for squeezing in a holiday show before then, and big name tours might try to start sooner in cities with few coronavirus cases. In a Daily Beast article, Broadway League President Charlotte St. Martin said that they are holding out hope for a January return, but that there are still many, many things that have to happen between now and then. And with and now, masks, I think she said too, right? Yes. Everyone in yes. masks. Yep. And, but like you said, Ashley, this is something that I've struggled with a lot. And perhaps it's because I live like five minutes from Disney World, which is oh, planning yeah. to reopen in a few weeks. But I have been, you know, you know, pretty steadfast in my predictions that things will open later rather than sooner. But things just change so freaking quickly. They do. And politicians are seemingly giving in to the most selfish and impatient amongst their constituents on a daily basis. Exactly. That's what I was going to say is not only are things changing very quickly, it's that 
very selfish people are expressing their discontent over all this and ignoring any of the guidelines or rules that are in place. So therefore, businesses are saying, well, if the people want it, then we have to produce it. Yeah. And then there was like a a sheriff in North Carolina over the weekend who refused to enforce the governor's order to shut down events of more than 25 people. They had a freaking race car or race, uh, uh, you know, uh, an auto racing um, race. I don't know why I can't put these words together, (laughs) Um, but they had like an auto race and with thousands of people and the sheriff refused to do anything to stop it. But, you know, I'm still going to maybe say Maybe January, but more likely March for Broadway with some tours resuming before then, maybe even by the end of the year. Um, I do think that there is opportunities for them to start in pockets of the country that are less affected. But honestly, at this point, I don't know that there, you know, I don't know that there's any legitimate reason to think that we know what's going to happen. And because it seems that every stakeholder and decision maker is just more uninformed and unprepared than the next i feel like the best way like i said a few minutes ago is just for from our you know myopic point of view the theater community to just say look here's what we're working with we don't know what's going to happen yes they are saying that we're not coming back until at least labor day but go beyond that say this is what has to happen here are the people who are making these decisions i i feel like the communication has just been awful and it's leading to more and more problems Oh, definitely all of that. And for them to say that, not only do they have to say that, but they have to say what you're seeing here will not reflect what you see on a larger stage. As you said, tours might resume. They might. What I expect on the tour side is that productions will start taking shorter tours. So you'll see fewer stops in between. You'll see fewer stops generally and you'll see longer gaps in between stops yeah absolutely yeah so it's it's a matter of openly overtly outwardly expressing that this is this is we don't know what to expect we don't have a standard guideline that we all have to follow because everything is different and everything is ever-changing and we're just having to play it by ear, day by day, and each day is different. And there's unfortunately not anything that we can really – you can't use that to plan for anything. But, I mean, that's the point, is that we have to plan to yeah. not plan. Well, and and I think one of the things that all of these organizations that are involved with these decisions, whether they're in New York or outside of it, need to do is they need to have so many contingency plans for every imaginable situation. I know for a fact that's what Disney did and they're going to reap the benefits of it. Now, obviously they're in a much different state, both literally and figuratively Mm -hmm. than Broadway, but that's just what you have to do. And I think that being open about your situation and communicating and they're not necessarily being wise let me say that no 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 well yeah yeah that's a whole other thing i exactly. we don't know exactly their reopening plan that has not been made public yet um sure, universal sure. is opening on june 5th and they've they've had theirs i think it'll be fairly similar to what disney has but that's neither here nor there but Ashley, let's move on. We do have a little bit of news, and we're going to start with some very happy news. And this comes from the Daily Beast, second time we've mentioned them today. Um, It is an article about Edward Pierce. You might not know his name, but he is a designer for Broadway. He's worked on 24 Broadway shows, 10 national tours. Most recently, he did the design for To Kill a Mockingbird at Madison Square Garden. 
Um, he spent 46 days in a medically induced coma at Holy Name Medical Center in Teaneck, New wow. Jersey, fighting COVID-19. When he came out of his five weeks in the coma, he said to his wife, Pixie, is Broadway still closed? Oh, God. Uh, that's that's yeah. what my first words would be, too. Yes. Yeah. Uh, his oh, wife no. said, my husband is a workaholic. But while this story is great just for the fact that he came out of that coma, what's more interesting about it is in this Daily Beast article, they talk about the fact that he is one of the or he was the first American to receive injected placental cells as a treatment for severely ill coronavirus patients. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so again, not a doctor, way over my head medically. Um, but it is, uh, it sounds like this is something that very well could lead to more, um, treatments like this around the country. And obviously there is now a 10th company in the world. This is a, a Maryland based company that is doing uh, trials on a coronavirus vaccine. But all of these things that seem to be helping are great. If you want to hear the whole story, um, about Edward. It's really, really great. You That's should uh, head over to Daily Beast. Wow. But good for them. Very, yeah. very happy for them. In other good news, actually, the Play at Home uh, commissioning program, which we talked about, which involves a ton of theaters around the country, including the Public Theater, Baltimore Center Stage, Long Wharf, uh, the Repertory Theater of St. Louis, Woolly Mammoth, etc., etc. Over the weekend, they announced their 100th Playwright Commission, ensuring that $50,000 has gone directly to Playwright's in need in this time of crisis. What they are doing is they are making or they are uh, commissioning short plays that can be done and read from home for free. You can get all of those at playathome.org. The individual theater companies are sponsoring them and then you can get them through their amazing theaters, all of the best regional theaters across the country. Mm -hmm. Some of the newest uh, commissions include stuff from Berkeley Rep, from Encore Theater Group, from Indiana Repertory Theater, and the Kennedy Center. Um, so some great, great stuff and love to see these playwrights not only getting work, but doing work that can be experienced by all of us uh, for free Definitely. in these uh, isolated times. And I'm going to talk about yeah. theater in isolation here in a little bit. Ooh. But uh, sticking in that same theme, this isn't what I'm talking about. We learned last week that there will be an online reading of The Glass Menagerie. It is a benefit reading and it will star Emily Skinner. It'll Ooh. also feature Erica Henningsen, um, Tim Realbuto, and Nick Rayberger. You will be able to um, see this online on Friday, May 29th at 6 p.m. It is part of the Friday Night Play Readings. And it's a bi-monthly series that will go on as long as New York City remains closed. So Emily Skinner as, uh, um, uh, what's the first name? Amanda. Amanda Wingfield in mm -hmm. The Glass Menagerie. I am all all for that. Absolutely on board with that. That's really good. Who's the benefit for? Um, I think that the, there's a different charity each um, uh each reading. So I'm not exactly sure okay. which one this is going to, uh, but they are also having the next one, the next play, that, or the next two plays that they're going to be doing is Dog Sees God, Confessions of a Teenage Blockhead, which is the parody oh, of Peanuts and Charlie Brown. And then they're doing Driving Miss Daisy. Um, oh, wait, here it is. Here Ooh, we go. Yeah, the virtual so I was just production. About to say, it's for the Actors Fund. Yeah, there we go. I was just going to look. Yep. Um, $5 donation uh, to the Actors Fund is suggested. 
All right, let's get into some recommendations here. Ashley, I, I went off the beaten path for this first first one. This is a video from okay. a gentleman named Ricky David Anthony Rochelle or Rochelle. Um, it is a performance of the Hello Dolly song Penny in My Pocket. What's interesting about this is that Ricky is not only the singer, he also plays the piccolo, the flute, the oboe, the English horn, the FB or four yes. F B four B flat clarinets, soprano saxes, alto saxes, tenor saxes, barry sax, bass clarinet, and a bassoon. Um, it Excellent. is Love awesome. a player. Represent. Yeah. Yeah. And he's got a little bit of a uh, back and forth with himself opening up. It's very cool. Check that Love out. Love that. That's exciting. That's what yes. my apartment's going to sound like in a couple of weeks when I actually resume practicing. It's just going to be oh, me playing Benny in my pocket over and over again. It, it will not be quiet uptown. No. <laughs> uh, um, and then another video, one that I love. I've talked about like how um, the closing song in Hairspray. Um, what's the closing song in Hairspray? Um, I I keep I keep wanting to say you got the beat, but that's from Head Over Heels. I, I exactly. Did Either the way, same thing. Either you way, the closing song in Hairspray. You can't stop the beat. There we go. Um, I'm so old. Um, but I always talk about how that song gets me emotional. Another song that gets me emotional is When I Grew Up from Matilda. And oh, Matilda's God, musical yes. in in the UK and the West End, they grabbed all of the children from what they call the class of 2019-2020 in Matilda. And they virtually quarantinedly sang When I Grow Up. It's very, very cool. Um, so I recommend that. And then finally, Ashley, the thing that I talked about, the isolation theater. Over the weekend, I participated in the magic show The Present from the Geffen Playhouse out in Los Angeles. It is written and performed by Helder Gamarez, and it has been extended many, many times so that they are now actually taking bookings all the way through August 16th. There is a limited number of spots available per performance, around 25, I believe, so shows do sell out. I do want to make sure I say it at the top. I paid for this ticket. This is not a comp that they are uh, that they gave me for this. I paid for this. This um, is not a paid testimonial. No, it is not. Um, but how this whole thing works is it starts, which they send you a package in the mail ahead of time, and you're told not to open it until instructed to do so during the show you must show your unopened package via zoom to actually gain entry into um, the performance the whole thing is done via zoom and your audio and video is required to be on throughout i actually Mm, tried to mute myself (laughs) yeah i tried to to mute myself multiple times uh, and the house manager sent me messages each time to unmute Uh, but they the they actually do need to see you based off some of the stuff that's happening in the package that they sent you um, I'm not going to go into a lot of details about the actual tricks, but Helder goes through a fairly traditional magic show telling stories about his life and magic and relating it to the tricks that he does. Uh, you know, over the last few years, I've seen a few really, really good magic shows, including In and of Itself Off-Broadway and Darren Brown's mm. Secret on Broadway. Um, but because of the online nature of the present, this one was was different. It was much more intimate and... You could literally see a close-up of everything. Every trick you saw crystal clear. Um, It's just a single camera shoot. It doesn't cut at all. It does zoom in a little bit at times to to look at cards, but nothing that would aid in the illusions, like just very minor zooms in in and out. Um, I don't want to get into details about the tricks, but the tricks themselves were honestly mind-boggling. I uh, have absolutely no idea how they were done. Um, 
I'm sure someone out there much smarter than I am can figure it out. But literally, you are doing the tricks on a table in front of you, and Helder is able to make guesses. It's just mind-boggling. But anyway, um, from that perspective, it is well worth the ticket price. However, what the present doesn't have that in and of itself and the secret did is like a personal connection that the performer makes with the audience in that room. You know, because... This is done via, uh, you know, Zoom, and Helder does have a bit of an accent. He was born in Portugal. It it was hard to, you know, develop that emotional bond that you have with a magician, especially mm. in and of itself, when it was a very personal thing. If you saw it in and of itself, you know how personal that show is. Um, so that's what was lacking. It was just like watching a dude do really cool tricks that he involves you in. Mm. Um, that's so, yeah, that's more or less. I would I would say it's probably less on the accent side and more on the yes. you are doing a show that you're used to directly sometimes even tactically communicating with people that you're performing for where in this case they're watching you still and you can see them and you're still interacting but there's not exactly like the physicality of it yeah and there there is a ton of interaction between helder and the audience so it is very obviously not like something he has filmed and Mm -hmm. is doing this is all done live he you know talks to the audience, you know, throughout. So um, if you're looking for something fun, it's like an hour and 15 minutes, hour and 10 minutes. Um, I I would recommend it. It's a ton of fun. It's not the most uh, life-changing magic show you're going to see, but for someone who is really jonesing for some sort of theatrical content, um, this is done incredibly well by the Geffen. So um, I would definitely recommend it. I don't usually seek out magic shows. And in fact, I, I, it didn't even cross my mind to think of like magic shows on zoom as something that's happening right now. So that's really cool. I'd absolutely be interested in checking it out. Yeah. It's really, really mind blowing some of the tricks, but anyway, if you have any questions about it, feel free to tweet me. Um, As always, I'm more than happy to talk about it, especially since I paid for a ticket, but that is all that we have for today. Thank you for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. Ashley, where can the folks find you? The folks can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, This is Ashley. As always, don't forget to head over to patreon.com slash Broadway Radio. If you are a Patreon subscriber, you got my interview with Ellen Marie Marsh like 15 hours before anybody else did. So if you want to get the most up-to-date Broadway Radio content, subscribe to our patreon there either way we love having you here we love and appreciate the continued support that you all give us um have a wonderful tuesday a short week if you're working from home or if you are an essential worker that has to go in we uh thank you and we wish you the best and we hope everybody stays safe we will talk to you again tomorrow (music) 